may not be words of man's wisdom today, but words that come from you, God, to penetrate our hearts and our minds and bear forth much fruit. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, and everyone that loves him, say amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. What a great day to be alive. Amen. Who is glad that you know the Lord? Who is glad that He knows you? Come on, somebody. John chapter 1, 1 through 5, I'll start. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. Come on, somebody. Let's skip down to verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth title of my message today, I heard it in my spirit actually when I woke up, so if this isn't very good, it, I only got it today. <laughs> Rule number one, never announce that publicly. So scratch that from the records, delete it from the video. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm a very honest person. I heard it in my spirit when I woke up this morning, though, Jesus, the man, the myth, and the legend. I want to talk to you today about, number one, about Jesus the man. You know, I've heard over and over again, and you've heard it in many sermons, that what you go through in life, God will turn around and use to be a blessing to other people. Amen. For a person that's gone through a traumatic relationship, maybe verbal abuse, physical abuse, whatever, and you've, you've come out of that detangling and you've let the Lord restore you and bring you back and you've seen restoration in your life, that empowers you to speak to a person that's entrapped in that current situation to let them know you don't have to stay in that situation. Amen? When we go through things, um, yes, it's not that we go through things so that we can reach people. We go through things because we made decisions that put us in those things. Are you with me right now there? Does that make sense? So it's not like God's like, I'm going to take Marcel and I'm going to give him a really hard you know, marriage for nine years so that they could minister to marriages. That wasn't God's plan. It was day one was that they would have a glorious, wonderful marriage and would, you know, honor one another and they would go to Bangladesh and preach the gospel. It just took them nine years to get there. Are you with me right now? And that's it. We ultimately all are works in progress. So God's plan is always and will always be that every part of your life is fruitful and blessed. If you believe that, shout it's true. That is God's plan. God's plan is not, I want a thorn in your side your whole life. God's plan is to, you know, that He will give you strength no matter what to go through everything. And so, as you read this, I want to start with Jesus the man. What qualifies Jesus to be our Savior? If you read in the, in, in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, 16 through 18, it says, Now He indeed does not give aid to angels, speaking about Jesus, but He does give aid to the seed of Abraham, which is you and I. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren or like his brothers. So Jesus became flesh so that he give aid to us that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Come on. You have to understand that Jesus became flesh so that he could be tempted like you and I. He could feel the feelings of being alone. You know, when he was in the garden, we were talking about this the other day. That was like, that was where the battle took place. It wasn't the cross. The battle took place in the garden. Are you going to go through with this or are you going to call down a legion of angels? And it was a war going on in Jesus as a man in the flesh, knowing fully to the point where the Bible says he was sweating drops of blood. That is a war. And he's fighting that battle and he felt very alone because part of him, part of the whole plan of God for us to be redeemed was Christ had to be separated from the Father. Because he couldn't restore us back to that relationship without freely going to that place. So he was alone and the people that were his boys were sitting there asleep. And three times he's like, can't you actually stay awake and just pray with us, with me? And they were like, yeah, 
I mean, imagine that. And you know what that translates to? It translates to every single person in the church that points fingers at the church saying the church wasn't there for them. Jesus knows what you're talking about. You know why the church isn't there? Because look around. We are all humans. We all have flesh. We all got problems. We all got things going on. And so, yes, the goal is that you would have a church family that's there 24-7. But the only person that's actually there 24-7 is the Lord. Amen? And he came and gave everything to give aid to you so that you could go before him. And I can testify of all the dumb things that I've brought before the Lord of the graciousness that he's had in my life. Come on. That the Lord will deal with you. He'll be gracious. He'll be patient. He'll navigate. He'll lead you. He's comforting. When God rebukes, it's like an, it's like an empowering rebuke when God corrects you because he doesn't just cut you down he cuts you down but or, or cuts it through but gives you the power to walk out of what you're living in god became man he became flesh i mean he felt every lash he felt every verbal abuse he felt everything that was ever thrown at him and even in all of that he did it willingly for you and i to say you know what I'm not just a God up here, far away. I will humble myself. I will come down to this earth. I will be like you, and I will show you that I can walk this thing out, and I will purchase back for you what was lost from you. God is good. Jesus is a man. He came in the flesh. This is probably one of the hardest things for people to grasp, but one of the pinnacles or the doctrine of Christian faith that is the most important, that our God became flesh and sacrifice himself on our behalf he didn't ask us to sacrifice ourselves he didn't take our lives he didn't massacre 2000 you look at all the other these wicked gods these demon things throughout culture of human sacrifice but christ came and gave his own life that's the god that we serve amen he gave everything not to empower angels What is that talking about? It's not that God was restoring power to heaven. Heaven didn't lose its power. Are you with me right now? Man lost its power. Man lost its power years before Christ came and God's plan was to restore that power and dominion back. Amen. On that note, just a funny story. I saw a meme the other day. Why women are so difficult in figuring out what they want to eat. It's because the last time they did, they doomed mankind for all kind. Sorry, ladies. I just don't know what I want today. It's a big decision, we know. Take your time, choose wisely. We would like to remain in the blessing. Amen. (laughs) I'm just joking. I didn't write the meme either. Take it up with the internet. The internet is evil, wicked, bad internet, bad internet. He came in his likeness of men, not to give aid to angels. Heaven didn't need a bailout. Heaven was, I mean, you think about it. I guess I might be the, well, I think other people think this way, but I think this way. I'm like, God, why didn't you just press reset? Right? You could have just been like, man, that was a failed experiment. Get rid of those things. They stink, they're ugly, and they're dumb. And just, and then start it brand new, but he didn't press reset. Even despite the fact that everything we do, the foolishness we live in, God decided, you know what, I'm not going to press reset. I'm actually just going to give them the opportunity to be restored back. I'm going to give them the opportunity to restore that relationship back. And I'm going to choose to love them like I said I would love them all for all eternity. God chose us. He chose to love us. He chose to redeem us. He chose to give us an opportunity, and Christ had to become a person and choose that in the flesh. That's one thing when it doesn't cost you, it doesn't, it's nothing on you, and you're like, I could do it. It's another thing when it's your flesh that's on the line, and you've got to give it up, and Christ became a man for you and I to give us the restoration back to the Father. Amen? Amen. He came in our likeness to give us power. 1 Timothy 2, 5-6 through 6 says, There is one God, one mediator between God and man, which is the man... Christ Jesus. Shout the man. Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Hebrews 4, 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize 
with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet he did it without sin. Amen. See, when you go through stuff, understand Christ went through things. You know, we even talk about persecution in the church today. Who was persecuted more than our king? No one was persecuted more than him. He took the brunt of all of it and everything from that afterwards. Anything we have to go through is the lesser of what was already done on our behalf. So like they sang today, we'll follow. He is a great leader. He led and showed the way to live life. Amen. But he became a compassionate one that walked through things. Think about how many things you've gone through and how that empowers you to be compassionate to other people and that's God's plan that the church would be a place where everything we go through is not used to write us off but used to strengthen us as a whole as the body of Christ amen like I've been through things I remember years ago and maybe some of you have done this but I went through the the time with my aunt where my aunt threatened suicide threatened suicide whole families you know like I'm praying I'm a young Christian I don't know anything about Really, the word, victory, faith, I was just brand new, you know, coming after God, you know, on fire for the Lord after she tried to kill herself. That was one of the main things that was like the component that set me free of drugs and alcohol. But then Father's Day, after one year of Bible school, she completes the job. Now, the brutality of it all, people go through this all the time, too. We go through all sorts of stuff in life. It's like, man, I'm believing God for a good life. Why is all this bad stuff happening? Why do these things go on? Well, did everything go hunky-dory for Jesus? No. No. He actually went through a lot more than we went through. And I remember going through that with my aunt, the guilt that hit me. Bro, I I woke up every day. I almost quit Bible college. I felt like not a good believer, not a good Christian. I failed on the mission. I was supposed to get her free. I mean, it was to the point where the Lord spoke to me, cast this devil out of her. This is a tormenting spirit from hell. And I sat in the room with her and I did nothing and later found out she was literally Googling how to shoot yourself. That's how intense it was. While I'm in the room, the Lord's speaking to me. I choose. I don't want to look like an idiot and cast the devil out because I also didn't, had never really done it. And then she takes her life for six months. I barely, I'm I'm, going to quit Bible school. I'm not a good Christian. I'm a loser. All of this stuff. I don't have anything. And then in the middle of a, a, a church service, youth service of all services, a pastor gets up and he calls me out and literally verbatim reads my mail. The Lord says, you went through this, you went through that. God wants you to know he doesn't blame you. It's not your fault. There was an opportunity, but she freely chose that. And right now, and as soon as they said it, it was like the weight lifted off of me. The guilt was broken off of my life. And I realized God's not holding me accountable. He gives you opportunities, but he's also gracious to say, you know what? Everybody's got to make their own decision. So you go through stuff in the flesh. We go through things. Amen. But how many people are glad that this flesh is not our forever home? That even if you lived a life of 50 years of hardship on earth, it is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen. Jesus might have became a man for a short time where they could whip him and they could beat him, but he didn't stay just a fleshly man. He was resurrected, set on high at the right hand of the Father, forevermore all dominion power and might has been given unto our king come on and he did that so that every one of us could partake in the same opportunity and blessing yes you're gonna go through stuff yes sometimes things stink bro but guess what it is temporal it is nothing 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 compared to what is ahead of you eternity is right on the other side of the veil and it's there for every one of us and he said i'm going to prepare a mansion for every one of you if you would just believe it christ jesus our king came and suffered in the flesh just like sometimes we feel we're doing but guess what it doesn't stay that way it doesn't stay that way It's like when you were a teenager and you thought everything was horrible for three years as a teenager, and then you grow up and realize that was stupid. There was nothing really wrong at all as a teenager. You know what I'm saying? If I could just go back to being a teenager where my parents were paying the bills, had a roof over man, and I was like, life's... No, actually, life was really great then. I just was too stupid to know it. 
so it is with our entire life on planet Earth. So what is Pastor Caleb preaching this morning? Apparently, I'm saying, you know, relax. You're dumb here, but you'll be intelligent on the other side. (laughs) It will all be made. You'll understand it all. You'll figure it all out. Every question, everything, you'll know it all. And none of it will even matter. All the stuff. See, I remember years ago. I was going through like a real tough time with the Lord in life from bad decisions of myself. And it was like all this weight, this everything on my life. And I remember I went to bed one night and I had this vivid dream, okay? And t- keep in mind, I don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like I'm lovable. I feel like I've screwed up. I feel like I'm the worst Christian ever. I feel like everything's against me. All of these things going on. And I go to bed at nighttime and I have this dream. And in the dream, I'm standing it's like, it's like, right, this like beautiful river with like the, you know, the sun sparkling on the river and like Christ was on the other side and he was like this, but it was like, you know, almost like foggy, but he was like waving me on. And I remember jumping in this river and when I jumped in the river, as I hit the river in the dream, I had the revelation. This is the river of grace that fl- flows from his throne or the river of life that flows from the throne of grace. And as I leapt into it, it's like the craziest thing, but in the dream, I had physical scars all over me. I had all of these things. And as I was swimming just to get to the other side, I felt every scar disappear from my body, everything on me. And by the time I got to the other side, it's like I I felt like not only accepted and loved, but almost felt qualified to be there. Like God was like, yes, you deserve this. And it was like I woke up and I was like crying, like, you don't even understand heaven. Heaven is not like, oh, I made it. Heaven is like every scar, every wound, every regret, every pain, every ounce of anything is forever washed off of you. It doesn't follow you to heaven. You don't get to heaven limping around saying, yeah, I lived. It was gone, bro. As far as the east is from the west, he removes it from your life. What is waiting for us? We are, we, I'll tell you, glory unspeakable, full of joy is waiting for every single one of us. Because Jesus, the man, came and paid a price. Yes, we have a flesh, but we don't remain in a flesh, and our flesh doesn't dictate where we get to go. Amen? Then the myth. People, I, was, I read this, this was a bit ago, and it irritated me. Ever been irritated when you read something written by a Christian? Okay, I'll tell you what I read. I read from a Christian writing when Jesus went into the temple, the Bible says in John chapter 2 that he actually fashioned a whip. Just for the record, when he went into the temple, I know that this is at least in three Gospels. It's in John, Matthew, and Luke, I believe. It might be in all four. But he went into the temple, and Scripture says he fashioned a whip. Do you know how long it takes to fashion a whip? You know, it's not like he was just like grabbed a belt. He like went outside and was like, okay, get me some cords. And he's out there like braiding cords, just looking at that thing. You know, he is contemplating what's about to go down in the okay corral. I just see him, you know, fashioning a whip. And actually, some scripture actually says it was of many strands. So it wasn't like one strand. He's like, he's like making a cat of nine tails. He's about to go postal on the money changers in the temple. This is our Lord and our Savior who lived without sin. Well, what I read, I read what bothered me was it said that, well, he actually didn't use the whip on anything but the animals. But if you read John, it actually says, verse 14, He found in the temple those who were selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and money changers doing business. So he made a whip of cords. Then he drove all of them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. So who did he use the whip on? It says he drove them all out along with the sheep and the oxen. So it sounds to me like he used the whip on. Everybody got quiet. Nobody... People are like, are we supposed to admit that Christ was like violent? In some regards, the Bible says the violent take it by force. He went in there and fashioned a whip of cords and was beating money changers. If this doesn't inspire you to follow Jesus, 
then you're going to the wrong church, man. When I read this stuff, I'm like, that's my king. I'll follow you anywhere, bro. Well, the myth is, the myth what I'm hitting on is that Jesus was this, all he did was float through fields of grass, holding baby lambs and petting them and, and pardoning everybody. I pardon thee, I pardon thee, I pardon thee, I pardon thee. Jesus was not a fairy. You can take your gay, woke Jesus and run down the road. Jesus was a man with fire, with passion, with boldness. He looked people in the eyes and he called them, you brood of vipers, you lying pit of snakes. He was bold as a lion. Our God was not a fairy boy. Bro, when Jesus walked into a place, everybody knew Jesus was in the place. And even when they hated him, they still couldn't even really touch him. I don't know if that's just the glory or they're like, we want to do something, but we're terrified to even reach out and touch him because like the Ark of the Covenant, the present this man carries, if we even grab a hold of him, what's going to happen to us? Man, what a myth. Jesus was just this little, ah. Jesus was awesome. He was bold. And people always come at us about guns. You're like, you're pro-guns. Yes, you should have firearms, number one, to kill animals, to eat. It's part of the redemption. When man fell, God killed an animal and said, eight. So all you're doing when you hunt is just furthering the covenant you have with God. I can feel the tension in the room. This is the best service I've ever had. I feel it. Slaughter them, but you also do it to protect your family. You mean to tell me that that fairy Jesus, and I guess I'm just on that right now, he would tell you just let people break into your house and hurt your family. But righteous Jesus would tell you, you gird up, you go and buy a sword, and if they come and try and lay a hand on your family, you take them out. Amen? It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church right now. I can tell you right now. Maybe I should have prepared longer on the message. But this is what I'm hitting right now. People need to wake up. Christians are not supposed to just deal with everything the world throws at you. We're supposed to look the world in the eye and say, over our dead body. No, you're not touching my kids. You're not sinking that junk in them. You're not laying hands on them. I'll come at you with two hands and a 45. That's right. I'll pray and I'll go out there and I'll do what I need to do. Remember that. There is something righteous about that. Because we understand Jesus did this. This is clearly written down. It's capitalized in multiple of the Gospels. We know that Jesus did this, but we also firmly know that he lived his life without sin. He was sinless. Are you with me? So none of this made God say Jesus is unrighteous because his anger is allowing him to drive out wicked things. It was righteous to drive out wicked things. In your life, understand, I'm not calling everybody to go to war right now. I'm, you know, I'm not saying go open up fire. That is not, don't even read that into this message. But I'm telling you, on the inside of you, there is righteousness and there is a fire. And there is a difference between a person that's just angry doing wicked things and a person that is standing for righteous things. And Jesus stood for righteous things, lived a perfect life, and he dealt with things that needed to be dealt with. Are you with me right now? Matthew 23. I'm going to read quite a bit for it. It says that, Woe to you, you scribes and you Pharisees, you bunch of hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, but you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourselves. Some translations call him the devil of hell. 
Woe to you, you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. You're fools and you're blind. For what is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it is obliged to perform it. You're fools and you're blind. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven and swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, which are justice and mercy and faith. Those you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish that the outside of them may be clean also. And woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also, even, even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our prophets, we would not have partaken with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt, you serpents and you brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Now, if a preacher would talk like Jesus did today. They would be written up as the worst communicator of who Jesus was. WWJD. Would Jesus say that to a person? He did say it to a person. Now, I want you to grab this right now. Why was Jesus so angry with money changers and so upset with Pharisees. The Bible says there are seven things that the Lord hates that are detestable to him. One of them is a lying tongue. Another one is a person that, that, that is a deceiving in what they say. Two of the things that God hates is basically people being fake. He is disgusted with fakeness. So that's why Jesus said what he said. You pump, you pump yourself around in a parade of righteousness. How many people today have lost the fear of God and march around saying that they're righteous and they're perfect, but they've got a giant speck in their own eyes and cannot see what's happening around them? That's why Jesus talked the way he did. Because when he was strong like that, a Nicodemus would come and find him in the midnight hour and say, Jesus, I want to hear more of what you have to say because he knew what he was saying was true. Come on, somebody. The number one tactic in these last days in Matthew 24, the devil's going to use deceit, deceit, deception to rule the masses. There are lies propagated on every news channel, on every forum out there, and it's time the church says enough is enough. You can take your lie. We're through with the fake. We have the truth, and the truth is Christ Jesus is our only hope, our only future. You can do what you want to do, but I'm following after King Jesus all the days of my life. You want to know political party I belong to? I belong to the kingdom of God. That's my political party. Because all the other things in this world can get wrapped up, stolen, mocked, turned around, and be fake. Why do you think? I can tell you this too. In the church, people better get the fear of God back on them. Because I can promise you, some big-time ministers that mock these things, that make fun of it, that know what to say to the church, they will stand accountable before the Lord one day. Do not be deceived. God is going to get through to the truth of what goes on. People take the word, manipulate the word for self-indulgence and self-gain. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what drove Jesus to the point. You, but you bunch of whitewashed stuff. You are you are, you are dead on the inside. There is no life. There is no love. There is no purity. You're a liar from Liarville, and I'm gonna deal with you right now. Imagine if Jesus showed up in most of the churches across America right now. Just imagine that moment.
Man, the fear of God, number one, would hit the place again. It's time you get the fear of God back in you. You're not supposed to be scared of the devil. What is the devil going to do? He's lost his grip on you if you're following Christ. There's a reverence of God's word that is all the time in you. You've got to put first and foremost. You know, the Bible says to guard the heart. Shout guard the heart. The Bible does not say follow the heart. It says guard the heart. Guard the heart. Twice it says in Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end thereof is death. You have got to get to the place where it's like, Father, show me in my life everything I need to deal with. Lord, illuminate any blindness that I have in my life. Illuminate any arrogance, any pride. One of the things he hates is a prideful look. Father, burn the pride out of my life. Whatever you got to do, get me through the process that I come through the other side. I'm not living to amass something on this earth. I'm living so that on the other side, I get it right. So burn in me, God. I do not. When I read stuff like this, there's so many times I read it, I'm like, you know, you laugh and then you're like, but, but God, please just tell me I'm not one of those. Right? You start going through your life. Lord, have I been, have I been a fool? Have I been bought up? Have I been strayed away? Have I, have I leaned in this way? Have I, does this bought me? Is that bought me? Is this person getting, what is going, what is my motivation on the inside? Is it ambition? Is it pride that drives me? Or is the fire of God and the zeal of the passion of God's house? And you go through that process. Why did Jesus whip the people? It says because of the zeal for his father's house. That's it. What's motivating you on the inside? See, because if you don't get this solidified, we are guaranteed through scripture, which does not lie. This is the truth that in the last days, people will heap together teachers that teach them nothing for itching ears, never changing themselves, never coming to the truth, never coming to repentance, never coming to transformation, but only hearing what they want to hear to feel good about where they're at right now. That is not the gospel. That is not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to cut through the fluff and get to the stuff. He came to get old school fire on brimstone messages that make people run to the altar. He came to break off sin, break off pride, break off pure or impure things, perverseness off of your life once and for all. But the thing of it is, is that you can't get it unless you want it. See, go back to my life, and I began to think about this. All the things with my aunt and everything. It was that, that, my aunt threatening her life was, was a, a key component of me crying out to God that night that finally the presence of God delivered me of all the drugs and alcohol in a single moment. And I got to think about it. It was a nine-month process for me. And I tell people this all the time, and I mean it, that if you're dealing with something, the only thing you can do is keep coming. That's your part to play. God is the one that will cleanse and purify you. But if you don't have the desire to keep coming, guess what? You're never going to get it anyways. And that was it. That's what boiled down. It's not that God can't do it. It's that God had me in a process until I fully solidified what desire I had. I desire this God. And then that's when God was released. But until then, he gives you the desires of your heart. There's a lot of people that, why is God not doing this in my life? Why is not God not breaking that off? Because you have not gone to the point where you've solidified this is actually what you desire. It's the purification of the mind. It's the working of the anointing within you. It's the times under the, un, under the spout where the glory comes out. It's the renewal of God on the inside that, I, that, that breaks off all the confusion until you can get solidified. This is what I actually desire. And then in that moment, how did I get called in the ministry? This same exact thing. Went for this, went for that, business this, all of these things until I got to the point where I was solidified. This is what I desire, God. And when it was like a single desire brought before the Lord, that's when heaven was like, finally, you're ready, and they release it. You go through stuff. You go through strong preaching. Thank God for strong preachers. Thank God for people that will put the fear of God back in a generation. The Bible says that if justice is delayed, the fear of God is left lost in the land. And that's what's happened to America. People don't fear the Lord. People, people don't care about what God what cares about when it comes down to it. Do you care about what God cares about? Do you know what God cares about? Souls. 
God doesn't care about political parties. He doesn't even care about wealth on this earth. You can have as much wealth as you want. He says, I will bless you. The windows of heaven will be poured out. I can multiply you, and in multiplying, I will multiply you. That's what he said. That's a big promise. But he said, but what I care about is souls. I remember a friend of mine years ago. He's an associate pastor at the River Orlando Church. And he's a businessman, successful, six figures for many years in his life. God has just blessed everything he ever places his hand to. And he has this toothache in his, in his life, in his mouth. And it was hurting so bad. And he had gone to a doctor. They couldn't, they, they didn't even know. They're like, doesn't look like anything's wrong. And he's at the point where he's like basically going to tell them, just pull the tooth because you might not know what's wrong and the x-rays don't show anything, but I want this tooth out. He's in such pain and he's at home praying. And he said, God, why will you not heal this tooth? And the Lord said to him clearly, I will show mercy when you show mercy. And it was like, when the Lord said that to him, I've never heard anybody have this type of thing hit him. At the moment the Lord said it to him, it's like within his spirit, he knew what God was talking about, that his next door neighbor, he had not ever went over there and ministered to him because he had written them off. It was like, there's just, they're not going to serve the Lord. There's all these things, single mom, he felt like things were you know, not, not going good for the lady, whatever. But she was not going to follow the Lord. He walked across the door. The, the, the room or the, the yard, the, the road, knocked on the door. The lady opens the door. Her little daughter peeks her head out. It's a nine-year-old daughter and the mom, and he shares with her, ma'am, I don't know you, but I feel like the Lord told me to come to your house today to tell you that he loves you and has a great plan for your life. This lady started crying. The young nine-year-old girl started crying, led him to the Lord, prayed over. She was thanking him, hugged him. He walked right across the street, and by the time he got home, he realized all the pain was gone in his tooth. 100%. Never had a pain once again. I want you to hear something. and I'm, I'm not doing this to scare you, but this is a true testimony. Two weeks later, that woman was murdered coming out of work. Late night, she worked at a restaurant and somebody was waiting for her in the alley and took her life, stabbed her, whatever, in the middle of the night and left her body in the, in, the, in the alleyway. And when he read the news, there was peace that hit his heart because he knew and he was there. Two weeks prior, as the lady is crying, asking Jesus into her heart, and he realized that's what it's all about. No man is promised tomorrow. The Bible talks about a wealthy man can heap up treasures for himself, retire and say, now I will enjoy my wealth, not knowing that tomorrow his life will be required of him. What it all boils down to, why was Jesus so strong? Because literally, you could almost think of this life like a video game to determine if you're actually going to get to life. Are you with me right now? That's what it all boils down to. This life, whether it's 100 years, 40 years, 10 years, 3 months, is a blink of an eye compared to eternity. And Jesus came. He wasn't playing games. He wasn't placating people. He wasn't just trying to pat you on the back and say it's going to be okay. He was trying to break hell off of your mind, off of your life, so that you would choose His way. Because when you choose Him, everything He has for you becomes yours. And though this life might be a hard life, though you might never become a millionaire this side of eternity, though you might never see land and, and houses coming in, if you get this one thing right, you will stand on the other side with all joy and all satisfaction because it's waiting for everyone that chooses it. Amen. That's the God that we serve. You don't follow your heart. You guard your heart. You check your heart. Say, what is in me? What is, out, what is in me that needs to get out of me? You follow the word. You follow the Lord. That's what you follow. I'm following the word, whether the word lines up with my personal desires or not. I cannot change God's mind. I got to follow it. And people that made Jesus to be a weak form, a weak this, a weak that, where he accepts everybody. That's not the truth of the gospel. It's not, it is come exactly as you are, but be transformed by the renewing of the word of God and the power of heaven on the inside. And if you don't get right over and over in scripture, it says those that do revelry, drunkenness, all these carousing, anger, dissensions, all these things, these people shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And you read that, you realize this is not a game. 
That's why I'm working on my own salvation. That's why I pray over my girls. That's why you guard them. That's why you, that's why you minister because you're in a fight and the devil is real and he's a liar and his goal is to destroy generation after generation. But the gospel is still the power of God. And if it is preached with authority and it's preached with truth, truth, it breaks through the fluff and it sets hearts free. Amen. Now the legend, 1 Peter 3.22 God has gone into heaven. Christ Jesus has gone into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. All angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. Jesus Christ, the man, the myth, and the legend. The legend is he won. <laughs> he made a public spectacle of the devil. That the fight is over with. Jesus said, rejoice because I have overcome this world. No matter what you go through, Christ Jesus has won the victory for you and I. If you're following Christ, you're not going to lose. You're not going to be rejected. You're not going to be ridiculed. You're going to be there on the battlefield when the final victory is once and all given to mankind. That's what you're following after. It's solidified. This is truth. This is eternal truth. Get it in your spirit. I could give you a 10 checkpoint list, which we oftentimes do because I am a very practical preacher. So I regularly give you seven steps to walking in faith, eight ways to get healed. I love that stuff. You can apply that. But at the end of it all, it's not just what you can do. It's what he's already done for you. Amen. Yes, you can live right. Yes, you can walk right. Yes, you've got to do these things. But ultimately, it boils down. He actually did it. He actually won. He actually defeated death. He actually beat it once and for all so that you don't have to taste of death. He destroyed sickness. He eliminated lack. He broke the back of hell. He put the devil on the run. I said this Thursday night and I said it last Sunday night. I was preaching and I looked up the definition of flee because the Bible says if you resist the devil, he flees from you. Come on, somebody. If you look up the definition of flee right now, it means to run away from a place or a situation of extreme danger. Ha. Huh. As a child of God, because of what Jesus has done for you, when you resist the devil, the devil runs away from a place or situation of extreme danger for him. Not for you, for him. You are dangerous to hell. Hell is terrified of you. When you stand up on who you are, the, the, the anointing of God, the character of God, the reality of what Christ has done in you. I am who he purchased me to be. I am a blood-bought child of God full of the Holy Ghost. Because Christ Jesus was one life that was willing to be sown as a seed, there are a multiplication of sons and daughters now. And that authority and that power has been given unto the church. That's the legend right there. The legend is, know who you are in Christ Jesus. You're not a beaten down loser anymore. You're a king of glory on the inside waiting to take di dominion. Romans even says it. Because of what one man did, all of man fell into sin. But because of what another man did, the second Adam, the final Adam, man has been restored and will rule and reign as kings in this life. Come on, how can he be the king of kings? Unless you're a king. That's it. So walk in it. Come on, somebody. Walk in it. Realize, man, when I bind and loose, something happens. When I declare something and prophesy, something happens. I'm a change America. America, you better get ready because the children of God are stepping into their place. We're not going to be placated with your stories. We're not going to be told to be quiet. We're not going to be shoved in a corner. We're going to rise up as men and women of God, full of grace, full of power, to declare the word of God in this hour. This is the hour of restoration. This is the hour of revival. This is the hour of the move of the Spirit. This is the hour of the light of God shining in this wicked country. Let me tell you, you better get ready. You better get ready. God is going to expose every dark thing in this nation and the nations of the world before it all comes down. And who's going to be a part of it? It's the church that rises up and calls these things to pass. Father, we thank you for the anointing in this land. We thank you for it in the churches. 
We thank you that you're working across the nations. We thank you, Father, that you're going to shine your light in every dark corner and every wicked agenda of man beginning in the church gets exposed, God. That it would be re- that the fear of God would come back in the land. We thank you, Jesus. You're the king of glory, the king of righteousness. Father, thank you for your presence in our lives, over our minds, over our households. Lord, burn within every pre- single heart in this place right now. Thank you for the fire of the Holy Ghost in this place. Set my heart ablaze, God, and burn out all the junk of this world. People say, what's the fire for? It consumes those things in your life that need consumed. The greed, the jealousy, the selfishness, the pride, those things that lurk within men's hearts, all those things, those trigger things that the enemy uses to pull you astray, the fire comes to consume that out. Doubts. Fears, perversions, lust, pride, jealousy, greediness consumes it out of your heart. Let me tell you something. God looks at the heart. He says, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look within the heart of man, the innermost part of man, and I deal with that first. And I start getting that right. And when God gets that right on the inside, guess what? Then everything else in this world can be given to you. Because you've gone through the process and you're ready to go through it and take it. Taking dominion is a call to the church. We've been on this for many, many years. I believe in that. But I also know that I have watched people destroy their lives because they do not get what they need from God before they go into the world to take dominion. And that is not God's plan. I heard a preacher say it and I've adopted myself. That Lord, you set the level of my wealth. Because you know better than I know what I can actually handle. Are you with me right now? Lord, I don't want to take anything that's going to destroy me. I don't want to go after anything that you don't want me to go after. I want to do what you want me to do, and I want to get it right for you. So you set that level. You set the level of our ministry. You set the level of my wealth. You set the level of my influence. You set the level. Father, I'm following after you today and every day. And I thank you for the fire of the Holy Ghost burning in my heart. Keep me ablaze for you, Jesus. Let it always be on the inside of me. The reality of the kingdom of God be working within me. Father, do what only you can do right now. I'm going to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye closed today. It's flowing with the Holy Ghost this morning. You know, when it all comes down to it, we preach so many messages. and I hope I can communicate this well. But I started thinking the other day of how oftentimes we create problems for ourselves in the church. With, we create, we make, make all these messages of the better you, the greater faith, the this and that. And I believe in it. I do. I understand it. It's empower a believer. But it's like we sometimes create this whole drive to we got to be this way. We got to have this. We got to walk in this instead of just getting this one thing right. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. And you want to get everything right, then it comes down to one thing. Do you really know Him? Praise the Lord. (laughs) Do you really know Him? Do you know Him? Do you spend time with Christ? And I can't tell you how many times. I mean, it's like every day of my life, the still moments when it's like, you know, I've never been big on music, so I don't really drive down the road and listen to music that much. Every once in a while I will, but ultimately it's not been my thing. So I have all those moments in my life that I I can't tell you how important that is to me to be able to talk to God and to hear His voice back giving me direction every day of my life. And the church has got to live like that right now. You've got to. What's the way forward? What's the way forward in your business? What's the way forward in your marriage? What's the way forward... To reach this person, to reach that. My husband's not serving the Lord. My wife's not serving the Lord. How do I, how do I lead this family forward? How do I do this? You can listen to a lot of sermons, and there's a lot of wisdom in the church, and there's power in the Word of God, but you get it in your spirit, but then you just spend those times with God and let Him speak to you. It's the best. Still small voice of God that leads the church forward. Do this, rise here, go there. Don't worry about that. I've got that taken care of. Oftentimes, the vision, 
the vision of this church doesn't come from me. My wife said it best last week. She was like, people say we're here to lift up the vision of Pastor Caleb and Kirsten. We don't have a vision. Are you kidding me? It's his vision. I'm a servant. I go to work. I do what he tells me to do. If he tells me to preach it, I preach it. If he tells me to lift it, I lift it. If he tells me to start it, I start it. That's how I live my life. And in my mind, I'm not a senior nothing. <laughs> I'm a junior all the way. And I'm happy to be a junior. Lord, you're the senior pastor of this place. And I tell him that all the time. Lord, you know, you're the senior man. This is your church. It's not my church. The river belongs to you. It doesn't belong to any man. Amen? Amen. Your will be done in this place. You do what you want to do. It's actually why I started laying down in worship oftentimes as a physical sign that I'm submitted to Christ in this place. Father, we just thank you for that in this place. Lord, I thank you for your voice to be heard in the river. I pray everybody under the sound of my voice today, man, may the voice of the Lord be the guide of their life. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to give you this. When the Lord speaks to you, where we sometimes get it, God speaks in various forms. Sometimes He speaks in a prophetic, showing you things to come. To give you instruction. I've learned that it's not my job to go and make that happen for God. That is, God gives me a vision or gives me a word of instruction. He'll do this. The day will come that this will happen. He gives that as a point and a reference that as you do every day, you get up and you serve the Lord. If you don't have an assignment from God, where he's like, I want you to go to Bangladesh or I want you to go there, then every day you, you rise and your assignment is to get the word of God, open it, read it, get it in your spirit, pray over your household, and live a Christian life for the world to see. Be bold, be full of love, be full of compassion, and know that you are making a difference. That's enough. And then you do it every day, you do it every day, and you follow God, the faithfulness every day. You minister to people, you pray with your friends, you pray with your neighbors, you, you, you pray with the, the, the waitress, you, you lead people to the Lord, you, you build the kingdom of God, you do your part, you go to work, you minister to the co-workers, you, you do all of those things. It's not, it's not a great, people are like, I just want, I want God to give me the great vision, the great thing. It's just the day to day. It's the day to day. The 15,000 didn't appear because Jesus got an assignment from God to do a mass crusade. The 15,000 appeared because every day Christ went exactly where the Father told him to do go and did what the Father told him to do. And word spread and 15,000 showed up. Are you getting what I'm saying right now? That in every day of your life, it's just following the voice of the Lord. You got to go to baseball. You got to go to this. You got to go to school. You got to go to work. You don't have to quit your job to follow the voice of the Lord. You don't have to fall out of everything in this world. You just have to shine where you are and let the Lord use you and know that Jesus is on the inside of you. When you go to work, you're going with God with you. And then if He gives you something, one day this will happen or you're going to go there, you're going to go there. You say yes every day and then the Lord will take you to that place in the future. Where you're standing at the place of the promise and you realize, I didn't help God do this. God did it for me. I've had that happen multiple times now from following the Lord. And you realize, that's grace. That's the power of following His voice. That's that God will make you look like you've got a really good plan in life. If you just do what He tells you every day. You look like a master planner. Meanwhile, you just did every day. But every day matters. You follow the Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence here. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give a call. Do you know Jesus?